Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that always hits on 19. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays. are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Darren Dicer, and if he had to choose between this podcast and a promotion, he'd probably sit and think about it a while and then choose a trip to Taco Bell. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ahoy! <laughs> Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He swears he would have been here sooner if it weren't for a sleepy snake. It's Dom Fisher, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Well, I hope you got the sleepy snake taken care of, and uh, and we will get into some interesting things to talk about today. Uh, a uh, Chloe Demont uh, erotic thriller that's on Netflix called Fair Play, um, and we're also going to take a look at the Wes Anderson shorts that have dropped on Netflix. This will lead to a conversation on the best shorts of all time. Uh, that is the best ever challenge for today. And then, of course, we'll do some buried treasure as well. But before we get all into all of that, Dom, how have you been? How's life? How's stuff? Uh, it's been a hot second. What's going on? Yeah, man. You know, it's it's been good. I've uh, been staying busy. It's October. Uh, you know, and people that know me know I love you know Halloween, spooky stuff. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've been I've been good. You know, trying to uh, you know uh, forward myself, even though I recently bad news for myself i had some um i got my third uh stiff arm from from rotten tomatoes so i'm just like ah oh, i might just man. start my own thing you know i might just be like the rejects of rotten tomatoes or something because <laughs> 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 i don't know what else i can do 
Uh, well, that's not, you know, what I mean, who needs Rotten Tomatoes, Dom? <laughs> it does not, it does point. not impact, it does not impact the value of your, uh, opinion no, at all, at as all. far as we are concerned. You got Sif Pop, Dom. That's exactly. right. You don't need I Rotten mean, Tomatoes. You got Sif Pop. What else do you need? Uh, well, I just think it's fun that during October, I reach out to Dom and like, Hey, you want to be on the podcast? And he's probably thinking, Oh yeah, October, baby. Let's talk <laughs> scary movies. <laughs> I'm like, Oh no, oh, you're no. coming on. Oh, no, we have yet to do a scary movie in October. <laughs> uh, I will ask you since we haven't done them, there have been several, even new releases of, uh, scary films that have come out in October already. And even late September, um, you know, Saw 10, you've got, uh, a new, um, there are a couple franchises, Talk that, a me. new Exorcist movie. Talk to me was a little before, but, um, oh, was it? yeah. So you've got a new Exorcist movie. You've got a new Pet Cemetery movie that just came out. Like, so what, if we were to pick one, maybe two of the stuff that is the scary stuff that's coming out this year, what would you like recommend? Um, of late. Um, it lives inside was pretty good. I think okay. it's about the end of September. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Exorcist Believer is uh, it doesn't fully go um where I thought it should go, but it's not a bad film. Um, it has a lot. It brings a lot of the um religious aspects to the forefront and, and from multiple religions. So it has like a kind of a good message, uh, mm-hmm. despite it being like these two young girls being possessed by uh, a demon. And um, I haven't seen Saw 10 yet or Saw X. Uh, I have heard good things uh, from people who are fans of the franchise. Um, And then, of course, you know, I kind of always go back to, um, you know, some classic Wes Craven or if you want to go like Cronenberg and just be completely like freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't. Um, but, uh, but no, that's, that's good information and it's good to know. And, you know, sometimes like, you know, we, we will, uh, you know, take our medicine and, and we'll do a scary movie every, uh, once in a while. I just cannot, I cannot, I just, I just can't put saw on the schedule. I can't do Like, I'm just like, I don't know that I want to, you know, purposefully subject we, myself to a saw movie i just you know i don't want to do it we got fooled by chris rock that's in right spiral. <laughs> we thought we thought it was going to be a big turnaround for the franchise and the uh, franchise you could, you could like, always nope we're going back to what we used to do we're we're, we're dropping yeah. it we're doing a isn't just like a it's a follow-up direct follow-up to the first movie right like all the canon from it's, every movie it's kind of like in between uh i think like the first one where he's like really sick and yeah. trying to yeah. you know find out what happened to his surgery so. that was supposed to be successful yeah well uh i think fair play is a scary movie so that'll be our scary movie for today uh and we will chat about that one in fact let's not wait any longer let's go ahead and get into it how did i get so lucky are you talking about me or your job okay sorry we're getting married. We're getting married. I wish we could tell the whole world. We're gonna have to tell them sooner than later. Morning. Morning. I think it's the right time to admit we're breaking policy. 
An unexpected promotion at a cutthroat hedge fund pushes a young couple's relationship to the brink, threatening to unravel not only their recent engagement, but their lives. Fair Play is on Netflix, uh, if you want to check it out. Alden Ehrenreich and Phoebe Denever, uh, I believe, are the two leads that we're going to follow. Um, perf- uh, some people you might know, Eddie Marzen, uh, Rich Summer you might know uh, as well. Um, also hanging out in there. As mentioned, an erotic thriller from Chloe Dumont. Uh, what did you guys think of Fair Play? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, kick us off. High highs and low lows in this one. <laughs> so I think I'm going to go straight down the middle, maybe high side of okay. High side of okay. Dom. I uh, I quite I quite love this film. Quite love. That's the first quite love in uh, in Sif Pop uh, history. Very nice. Dom loves the movie. Um, I did not like this movie, uh, so I'm gonna go. Um, well, I'm gonna go with didn't like it. Just a straight didn't like it. But it's one of those weird didn't like it's where for the first two thirds of the movie, I thought it was one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, you just nailed, you hit it right on the head. The ending, the ending destroys this movie. Uh, for some people, it does. For some people, it doesn't. Like Dom. Dom loved this movie. Dom, tell us some of the things you loved about Fair Play. Uh, I think the first thing that, that really uh, stuck out to me was just the sense of tension throughout. Mm-hmm. I mean, you kind of have this like cheerful, um, beginning you know oh we're together and we're we're being successful and uh we're both you know uh first appearances we're both at the top of our game and we're both gonna climb this ladder simultaneously and if not you know um, luke if i get it you know i got you babe Mm -hmm. um but then you know the the slow descent into madness is very pleasing to me um just that i mean it's just so physical as every passing day you just see like this guy more miserable um and i like the 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 power dynamics um and i got to talking to my buddy um after the fact i mean a couple days after we saw it and i was like the interesting thing about this film is that it's it's kind of you know this uh Showing the the you know the the flip of the woman being the the the, the gender roles, uh, her being the dominant one in this relationship and making you know things and doing making the moves. But if you if you can look at the film from a from a, a different perspective, she looks like a villain essentially. Um, when you do have these <clears throat> these late nights and there's no context after a certain part of a scene and um how things play out you're like "Ah, she could be a very possible terrible person but it's not completely shown and i kind of like that you can kind of play with what the outcome was of the film um and then the the two bathroom scenes uh the first one kind of foreshadows i think what Mm -hmm. the film was going to be in the power dynamic and then the end one is real messed up uh so yeah, there's there's a lot I, I uh, pulled from it. I did like the the setting was perfect. I don't think you could put it in a different setting. Um, I think I even during the press conference I tried to ask that question, but she kind of answered it because um, I don't think it works in any other setting to this effect. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then just the the setting of like of New York and you know the city kind of plays a part in this thing because of the it's fast paced and cutthroat and you feel that all the way throughout uh, and performances are great. I really like that kitchen scene with the the joke. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, the uh, the the one thing that did it's just that that last bathroom scene. I was just like, oh, I guess. I mean, I, it's I know what it was needed for for what they were trying to do, but it's just like hard to watch. But I do like there's a quote from it, um, and I don't think it spoils anything. But if it's I can't make you cry. I'm going to make you bleed. I love that so much. Uh, Andrew, some thoughts. Um, first off, I would never survive in this world of, <laughs> of high-level marketing and stock trading. You know, it's a, le- it's a world I would just be obliterated by. I don't want a single second of a part of that world. There is no yeah. amount of money you could pay me yeah. for that amount of stress. It's just not worth it. Yeah. It's just not worth no. it at all. Yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you. <laughs> it's it's wild. But I think that it's shown beautifully here by our two leads. I think that Phoebe and Alden are stellar. Like, if nothing else from this movie, I can look at their performances and go, guys, that's how you do a believable performance. Now, that's not me saying that I think that character decisions make sense in this movie, but I'm saying that their ability to make it believable is bar none. Some of the best, very, very good. This movie never takes its foot off the accelerator. Not once for the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a good thing. Sometimes, you know, you can have a movie where, you know, you have, you know, highs and lows and it feels really, you know, evenly paced. Sometimes, though, you need a movie that is just absolutely gung-ho going for it. And uh, I got to be honest, I did not expect that from the first 10 minutes of this movie. You could not, uh, I could not have predicted where this movie would have ended up. And that's a pro and a negative. Yeah, the, yeah, it's it's kind of the ultimate pro and con of this movie for me as well. Um, I think I agree with everything, all the positive things that both uh, of you have s- said. Uh, I think the our two main leads are astonishing. I think there's great filmmaking on display. There's a real understanding of how tension works, both uh, the tension of a situation and sexual tension uh, as well. Uh, I think this is a movie that is unafraid of the idea of sexuality, which, you know, is kind of the outlier now in movies. You know, there used to be a lot of erotic thrillers. You know, sex used to be understood as more of a normal part of humanity that movies would delve into. And now movies have kind of pushed that to the side just because it's awkward or, you know, weird or whatever. And I don't even know that I come down for or against that. I'm just saying that is the the movie world we live in. So when a movie is willing to treat sexuality as such a genuine part of this relationship and use it purposefully as a way to build the dynamic, the power dynamic between these two and an understanding of who they are, both by... Um, the progression and evolution of their their sex life throughout the movie, but also the progression and evolution of when they don't have sex in the movie. Like there's there's a real understanding of how sexuality relates to both having sex and not having sex. So like there's I, I found all of that 
um, really well done and well used uh, in the film. So uh, I thought that was was good. I think. Have either do you, either of you watch Industry, the HBO show? Um, you know, there's it, it takes also takes place at a hedge fund, and there's a lot of this pressure stuff that's in Industry as well. And Andrew, I know you mentioned like not wanting ever to. It wouldn't survive there, and I said not ever wanting yeah. to be there or whatever. And that is just that is that is part of what I respect about this movie is genuinely giving me that uh, anxiety, that emotion, that like ah, get me out of this this room. Like feels authentic. Yeah, it feels very very authentic. Um, that will eventually lead me to some of my negative thoughts. I think that authenticity is is wasted in some ways. Um, Mm -hmm. but, and along with that thought, I think the chemistry between Luke and Emily is also feels authentic. Um, and you really feel like this is an actual relationship that could develop, um, as you're making your way through, uh, at least the first half of the film. So it's, it's one of those movies that maybe was too good for a while. And because of that set itself up, uh, (laughs) for me to have some real issues with the end. The one the one last positive thing I'll say before um, we can just move to further conversation, whether it's negative, positive, whatever. Um, the one last positive thing I will say is I like a movie that I keep thinking about, that I keep talking about. Even if those emotions are negative, even if the experience is negative, um, and I do believe my overall experience with this movie is negative, um, I, like I said, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it, but I really do respect a movie that makes me think and makes me keep talking and makes me keep going. Like when I, when I, when I wrote my quick letterbox review, one of the things I said was that I am open to a conversation with somebody about what I missed in this. Like, is there something that I, that like a narrative that I built that I shouldn't have built that keeps me from understanding how this movie ends because there's something there that feels interesting to dissect. Right. And I think that's the, uh, a success when a filmmaker can do that. And I definitely think uh, fair play has that. So I would, I would give it, definitely give it those props. Um, other thoughts from you guys. Uh, I think I'll oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dom. Oh, um, <clears throat> I was going to say it's, it's um, I think it's kind of uh you know, magnifying glass on, you know, male fragility uh, is very interesting because, you know, I, <laughs> I know guys like Luke. I've I've had that the same kind of experience that she had. I've had with a co-worker that just couldn't handle there being two black guys for whatever reason in the same vicinity. And he just was like, it's only going to be one. There can only be one. And I was like... Very Highlander of him. Highlander rules. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, you're going to lose this battle, bro. And he lost. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it was very it's very interesting to see something that I've, I've, I've experienced, and, 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 or at least part of it, play out this way. And maybe exactly what he was feeling was this like, how can he succeed? And how was he able to do this thing? And I was trying to do the same thing. So it's, it's very interesting to see all that play out and and that obsession um, to the, maybe that's what this guy, because uh, I never really followed up why he felt the, the way he felt, but maybe that's what it was, just this weird obsession of that's supposed to be me. And some people just can't handle that. You know, I, I, I don't, we don't usually get 
into spoilers at all in conversations. This movie has been out of a while, and I think some of the plot details will help our, our conversation, especially as we continue to talk about it. So I'll just say like a, a like vague spoilers to follow if that's you know, if you still haven't seen this movie. Also it's streaming, so it's it's a little more accessible uh, than a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't streamed it, you're gonna stream it and you don't want to hear anything that might indicate plot movement. Um, you may want to just jump to the next review because from here we'll we'll be able to talk a little vaguely about some plot spoilers and, and those kind of things without giving away big twists or story twists or those I think it's things. necessary. I, I think so too. So there there is this thing the movie does that I think you're talking about, Dom, with the Luke character, where it almost puts the audience in the Luke character's mindset mm. because we don't understand it either until we do. It's kind of a surprise yeah. to us when we find out, oh, Luke was wrong about how talented he is. Like the movie is very clear. He's not that talented and it makes it clear in a few ways. Like it, it really kind of piles on like, no, she's genuinely much better at this job than he is. And it gives like proof and examples of that. Um, a few times whereas until we get to those proof and examples we like luke are being led to believe that they are equals or that you know he is the one that's going to get the you know promotion first or whatever and i think that's a very specific and interesting way to play that and i i found it believable and interesting and um and and the process of him then dealing with his fragile male ego and how that changes his relationship to her, I found uh, really authentic and eye-opening. And I thought the movie was doing some really interesting, good things with those gender dynamics and those the idea of gender power dynamics. Um, and uh, and a lot of it has to do with how we discover you know, the reality of the situation and what it is. Um, So, yeah, I think for, for, again, most of the movie, or at least a lot of the movie, I think it's handling that, that stuff. Well, Andrew, would you agree? Do you have other thoughts? Yeah, totally agree. Uh, The ending is the big letdown for me. And I want to kind of get into why we we said, sure. Yeah. I said, I know we said spoilers are kind of allowed here, but I still want to tiptoe around. Yeah. No big like twist reveals, story reveals, but we can, we can talk the plot a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the two people we meet at the beginning of this movie are not the same two people we have at the end of this movie. I think that's the best way to say it. That is a hundred percent correct. Yeah. And whenever I say that, it's not, I'm not sure that I buy the change in persona in such a short time frame. Because humans, if we are catharsis here, then there should be some type of moment where, I don't know how to say this, but uh, here we have two people who are not willing to change, not only willing to change their relationship, but willing to change who they are as individuals. And maybe if this time frame was spaced out longer and the change of personas happened over a great period of time, perhaps that would have worked better because... I don't see a person being able to hide that level of insecurity for that long with no red flags arising. I, I, I'll push back on that just a little bit, only to say Please. I think the Emily evolution, character evolution is much more drastic and ridiculous to me than the Luke uh, evolution of character. I think the, the movie I thought was about us discovering how fragile Luke was, um, yes. and the movie wanted to be about... Um, how 
something Emily was, I think, by the end. And like that, like like you said, Dom, you t- you touched on this and tiptoed around this a little bit, but the idea that um that the plot may reveal that you know Emily was Agatha all along, you know, like that, <laughs> like you know, it's it's it, it's kind it, it kind of that to me feels more ridiculous than if like the descent of Luke, I can make peace with because I see what the movie's doing with it, and I under I understand it a little bit more. The uh the change of who Emily is, I don't know how to process. I don't know how to process the the last third of the Emily character with the first two thirds of the Emily character. To me, that's it that's makes the, the one. film hypocritical in its messaging. It, and that's the second part that I would get into after that is it completely negates everything I thought the movie was doing with what it was saying about gender dynamics. Now, that's a bold choice. And maybe the movie is specifically, like I said, trying to say something that I'm not understanding. But it it, it seems, I guess the way I'll sum this up, this movie seems boldly anti-feminist by the end. Mm. And that is really interesting place for this this movie. It's not to, where I thought the movie or no, where the movie was going. No. So if it is, I need to understand wh- like what it is saying because I thought the first two thirds were um extremely wonderfully feminist, you know, like really understanding the female perspective and and the fragile male ego and that kind of stuff. And then the, the last third of the movie was like, nope, don't believe women. <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> you know, like I don't get it. I I didn't understand it. Maybe maybe I completely misinterpreted it. But uh, but yeah, that's where I landed. Yeah, and how does she think she, when she had that conversation with her boss? How did she think she's going to get away with that now? It makes no know. sense. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Dom, defend the movie. Uh, tell us <laughs> tell us what tell us what we're at least at least help us understand like how that last you know, third of the movie um, was cohesive enough with the rest for you to come away, you know, still loving the movie. <clears throat> no, now that you, you guys have, have said something, I, it is, it does. It, the, the changes are a bit drastic. And I guess, and you know, I just chalked it up to like, this is who these people were the entire time. And, you know, sure. and, 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 you know, and, and it just takes certain, um, factors uh to bring out who that person really is you know someone you know you may see as a a nice guy he puts on a football uniform and he's a monster Mm -hmm. and he's able to separate these two people i mean you know you see these uh the guys who end up uh having domestic assault charges like oh he was really nice Mm -hmm. and somehow his football life and his regular life bled into one person and he just became a monster and so i'm just thinking like Maybe these factors, maybe that uh, these the uh, the the idea there's a promotion lingering changes one person, one gets it, one doesn't, and um, and maybe that is just completely you know they they're like perfect cell. That's their true form, and it was there. It just needed some watering, and mm-hmm. um, now uh, hers was very drastic, but. It, I mean, when you're hanging out with the with the boys and you're, you know, playing the game, as they say, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. she, she, maybe you get lost in the sauce. And that's a persona that I think that potentially all of us kind of have in us. If you um, are raised in a certain environment and then you get thrown mm-hmm. 
hundreds of thousands of dollars in short short amounts of time and maybe get that 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 super ego and your id takes over sure and you know what i mean so um yeah and then but like i said the more that i thought about it which made me i think that's what really sent me over uh to loving it is just the fact that i can look at it from um the movie differently and go i can watch it from this perspective and then i can go oh you know, this movie is about her becoming a villain and it could be uh, unintended for it to be that way. But I think that's mm. what for me maybe like it more is the fact that this was a villain story the entire time. You, you, you've convinced me on a couple things and you're starting to to uh, broaden my understanding of what might be happening here. And it might just not be what I wanted to happen, but if there might be a message here about um, the idea of. Maybe it's boldly, maybe it's actually boldly feminist to say women can be evil too. Like maybe the idea is, you know, like um, the the way men have uh, been deceitful and terrible to coworkers or whatever, like women can do that too. So there's, there's an element of, uh, well, the example... Uh, I'm glad you're here, Dom, because I'm going to tip my toe into a little uh, little racial analogy, and you're going to keep me online if, if, if I need to. But it, it almost feels like, what if this character is like the the Django of... Where it's like the the, the idea is it's been turned on its head, and this, this character then has a, a uh, narrative right to be the other side of that because of you know, the, the history and the baggage and, you know, all of those kind of things. Right. So does that make sense? Like, I, I kind like, I can kind of find my way to, to that narrative. It just, again, it doesn't feel like what the first two thirds is setting up, Yeah, but that does seem to be the pitch. It throws across the plate at the end. So, um, does that make sense to either of you? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, yeah. she watched, uh, Wolf of Wall Street and knew there was an archetype I have to be right. to be in this world and, and fully and I'm gonna do it. herself. Right. Yeah. 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 I think that might be where it's trying to go. I just, it's, it's not where it's not what I thought was happening. I thought, I, I, I thought we were getting the, the message of how terrible men are and how fragile men are and how male ego is this, you know, terrible monster of a thing. And it really was more about how um, powerful women can be, and even when that means doing the same terrible things that men have done to women. Maybe that's what the movie wanted to say. It's interesting. First off, Dom, I have to let you know this movie is a hundred or an hour and fifty three minutes, and for an hour and a half of it, I was in, enthralled. I thought it was so good. <laughs> well, I can tell you exactly so where it you, turned for me. It's the second bathroom scene is is exactly where it turned for me. I was like, what is going yeah. on now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so. Whenever she kisses him back, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, what is, yeah, what is this movie <laughs> yeah. trying to say right now? Yeah. yeah. And this is going to be my biggest negative for the movie, and it's just how I came out of the movie. I can't speak for anybody else, but I came away from this movie feeling like the movie wanted me to think Emily was the good guy. Like, even though she did all those things, and granted, I'm, I came out of this movie, and I thought, neither of these people are good people. They're not. Neither of them are good people. But I think the movie wants me to think Emily is. I think that. Like, she's getting. I think she. We're supposed to come away with this going like, oh, she's getting her just desserts now. It's like she gets to, you know, throw back all this toxicity that she's had to endure. And she gets to 
cram it down their face now. And it doesn't, it, that's not the kind of messaging that I think this movie needs to have. I think this movie needs to have a, because the entire movie, it's telling us like she has a rise above it mentality. Like she can, she can get down and like you were saying, Dom, she can get down in the dirt with the boys and get dirty if she has to like, but at the same time, that's not who she is. But by the end of this movie, Maybe I think she's a worse that's, person. That's the thing. Like, I think of the strip club, uh, strip club scene, right? Where she's yeah. like, yeah, let's go to the yes. strip club. And let's, and like, she has this moment where instead of being, you know, a, a shrinking violet from everything that's going on, she's the loudest, most boisterous one. She's like, no, let's do this thing. Right. And, and yeah. in watching that at that moment, when something like that happens, I'm thinking, oh, I see what the movie is doing. She's abandoning herself and she will find herself again later. And I've, that's yeah. movies have conditioned me to feel that way. The movie mm -hmm. subverts that. And in hindsight, are we seeing her find her superpowers? Like, are, like, was that a positive moment according to the movie? Like, was that the moment where, you know, she she really figured it out? Oh, I'm I'm going to be as you know bad as the boys, uh, and then that became her. Or superpower. was that her the entire time? Well, and that's and the secondary she, question. Um, I yeah. I don't know that it. The, the movie doesn't seem to indicate it that that's her the entire time because you definitely get a sense that for the first part of that scene she's uncomfortable. Right? Isn't the movie telling yeah. us? Oh, yeah. She, yeah. So I, I was mainly doing a bit like, no, oh, no, no. That's who she no, was. I know, but I think it is important to distinguish that I do believe the movie fairly clearly states that there is an evolution happening with her, that she is not manipulating um, something from the beginning, that that manipulation or change starts probably right around then. Um, but. But yeah, it's just it's interesting to look back with different eyes and go, oh, the movie was doing something totally different than I thought it was uh, doing here. This movie does spark riveting conversations. That's what I said. You, I, you know, for always respect <laughs> for that, for sure. Um, all right, I think we talked through a lot of this. What other? Any final thing? Any other thing that you guys want to mention before we move on? No post credits scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Dom, do you have one? The more? post credits scene is just him with the towel on the floor. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> okay, fine. I'm sorry. Dom, you got anything? Uh, I'd be curious to anybody who uh, watches it after this or has already seen it. If you talked about this with your your spouse or your girlfriend, boyfriend, didn't an argument come of this conversation? Because <laughs> there, it can easily happen because the movie is about gender roles and power dynamics. I'd be curious to see if anybody had any kind of uh, positive or negative, you know, conversation after the movie. Yeah. Yeah. My one final thing is uh, I think Eddie Marsden is amazing in this movie. I, he's so captivating. His performance is so captivating in this movie. I think he's he's uh, he's really, really great. Uh, that scene with him and Alden when Alden gets down on his knees. No. Oh, that so scene good. is crazy. It's so good. That scene is crazy. Yeah. Do you think that there's a award uh possibilities for any of the actors in this movie i don't know i would certainly say they would be uh pushing for it but i think this one's going to just slide under the awards radar i i do i don't see this mm -hmm. one making too many awards waves yeah okay could be wrong that's kind of where i was leaning to but yeah. they're, they're regardless they're very good performances. yeah definitely that is Fair Play. It is on Netflix if you want to check it out. Let's move on to um, four 
different short films. Let's talk about the Wes Anderson shorts on Netflix. Good evening, Mr. Sugar. Said the man behind the desk whose job it was to never forget a face. Henry Sugar was 41 years old, unmarried and rich. Strange. The following is what Henry read in the Little Blue Exercise book. Gentlemen, I'm a man who can see without using his eyes. He saw it, I cried. He saw that trolley, this is absolutely unbelievable. I was flabbergasted. This is a terrific piece of information. This could change my life. An extraordinary thing happened. All at once, he sees through his own skin. Like an x-ray, only better, he sees everything. Wes Anderson is back using some day players in telling four short Roald Dahl stories in his distinct twee style. Um, so, yeah, so this is Wes Anderson directing somebody else's material. In this case, Roald Dahl's material. Much of this stuff is from uh, the early 70s uh, that Dahl wrote in some different books. Um, it is Wes Anderson's style in many ways, using a lot of the same actors, playing different roles, which he loves to do, using the idea of storytelling itself as the structure of something is something he has done for a long, long time that he loves to do. And of course, the symmetry and the, you know, the very immaculate setups, all that stuff is here as well. Uh, the titles of the shorts are The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, Poison, The Swan, and The Rat Catcher. Before we get into uh, what you thought of these as a whole, we'll do a like it, loved it, uh, didn't like it, hated it, it was just okay uh, as a grouping. But before we get into that, I'm curious what order you watched them in. Dom, How did what order mm. did you watch these movies in? Um, so I did... The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, then The Swan, then Rat Catcher, and then Poison. Uh, Andrew? I did uh, Henry Sugar, uh, The Rat Catcher, The Swan, and then Poison. Mm. Uh, I did the exact same as Dom. And Andrew, it sounds like you just uh, had the middle two swapped uh, from what Dom and I did. So congrats to the algorithm for all pushing us (laughs) in uh, pretty much the same direction. (laughs) Um, So what do you think about these four shorts as a whole? Did you like them, love them, dislike them, hate them, or it was just okay? Andrew? Low side of liked it. Low side of liked it. Dom? Yeah, I liked it. It was was. It was, it was substantial. It was like a hearty meal. You know? <laughs> uh, Aaron, my uh, my evolution on Wes Anderson just continues to be like like a complete straight slope up a mountain. Like it just gets better and better for me. Um, I think like this is Wes Anderson in his truest like Saiyan form. Like he is he is on fire here. Um, and and I think part of that for me. So loved it. By the way, loved it. Loved loved them. I have comments about you know, the various ones. Um, sure. But, uh, and, and maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll take them one at a time as we kind of talk about it a little bit more in detail, but just some general thoughts from each of us first. Um, I think him adapting Raw Dahl, Dahl's uh, material is just a recipe made in heaven. I just like, I did not know how much I needed Wes Anderson to take Roald Dahl's words and make it into short films. Like it's each one of them just had this, this real interesting vibe. You've got Ray Fiennes playing Roald Dahl and where he chooses to have the author's voice come in. And each of these is really interesting to me and makes a different point, which each time he does it, um, you know, there's, there are so many creative, interesting visual choices, which of course is normal for, for Wes, there are so many creative um, ways that the storytelling 
surprises you. There's a couple moments in a couple of these where one of the characters shows us something in the midst of a written story, which I always find interesting as well, because then if you think back to what's happening, we're reading words and somebody says, here, look at this. Well, if you read that sentence, what are you, you know, like you're having to imagine. I just, I found a lot of that, that stuff uh, fascinating, like keeping in mind how we're actually engaging with this material, including one of them. Uh, and we'll just start with this one is uh, when we decide to go a little more into detail. Um, but the wonderful story of Henry Sugar almost has an inception feel to it with how many layers, you know, we go deep into this thing. Um, so in Android City had that as well, by the way. Android City had several layers deep, you know, that we were going Asteroid. in. I uh, Thank you. Uh, Asteroid City uh, did as well. So. Um, so yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I thought the performances were great, um, down the line, uh, pretty amazing stuff. Um, Dom, what are some of your general thoughts on just all four of them? Um, so the, the first thing is my, my stepson came, uh, came downstairs while I was, uh, watching them and they're doing this kind of, uh, they have a, a program called scripted screen after school where they're kind of, um, learning how to make film and things like that. And I said, this is what you guys need to watch um, outside of traditional uh, films. The way that this is made is some of the most creative stuff I've seen in a long time. Um, I didn't know that Dahl's stories were he had the, that he had these. Like when I think of mm-hmm. um, the author, I think of, you know, James and the Giant Peach and Matilda. And the fact that as I you know start looking at other stories that there's always so much like social commentary, which I I very much appreciate and diving into like very serious um, topics when it says like children's author and you go, Oh, well children are for different era because children nowadays don't get to read stuff like this because it's too serious and they got to ban them. But that's another, another topic for another day. But um, I don't know. I think it applies here. I mean, you know, you look at like some of even the stuff that's broken through from Roald Dahl. It's pretty creepy stuff. Like, I mean, the witches has made, had two movies based on that material. Um, that's really creepy writing from him in that, in that book. So in fact, some of the rat stuff, uh, really felt like the witches, uh, in a lot of ways, but yeah, continue. Yeah. And as I'm, as I'm looking to that, I mean, a lot of the stories were, um, websites where they're like, a teacher talking to a middle school uh, classes and how they're breaking things down and what they should look for in these stories. And I'm like, it's okay for things to be shocking because some of these stories can be shocking. And kids um, go through shocking things. That's exactly. what we forget. They go through shocking things exactly. in the real world. They need and if to no know one's how there to process to, them. Yeah. If no one's there to have them process, contextualize what's going on, then they, they withhold everything and mm-hmm. then trauma in the future. And, you know, you end up, you know, doing all kind of crazy stuff. But uh, no, I mean, like, there's there's some shots that, like, the way it was done, I was like, this is, take a picture of this. Like, I told him, like, you have to watch this thing. I went back and <laughs> I think it was in um, Poison. And I was like, this is, like, I would never have thought um, to shoot this certain part this way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the vibrancy, the clean pinterest-esque mm-hmm. look of everything um he like, really it's hard okay oh, no 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 i was just gonna say on on what you just said he really frees himself up 
to do what he wants because he eliminates the handcuffs of reality, right? So he takes away the handcuffs of, oh, this has to look like the real world. And you just see stagehands bring props and people (laughs) put on wigs in, you know, sets that, you know, go into each other. Like he, he takes off those handcuffs and it allows him to get really creative. So, yeah. Yeah, And I think that was some of my favorite, the favorite parts of it uh, was that it was very much like a stage play and you're so like immersed in these stories that like, you you kind of appreciate that it's doing that because you're like the story is so hard hitting mm-hmm. that you go hey here's a little bit of humor by you see this guy shutting this door that's actually a full fence or a tree or something of that sort um, uh, but no I, I think it's a it's a very uh, impressive um, and I'm glad that you emailed because I didn't even realize that these were we're dropping. So mm. thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, Andrew, some general thoughts uh, about the, the four things in total. Yeah. Uh, I think that Wes Anderson's charm makes up for the minimalistic production style. In fact, I think it, uh, it helps it because it adds to that charm. Um, an example would be like if a character to say here, hold this, and there's nothing in their hands mm-hmm. and they just hand it to another person. It's stuff like that that, you know, can only work in a Wes Anderson, you know, type of film. And that stuff is prevalent throughout all four of these features. I really like it's weird uh, <clears throat> judging performances in a Wes Anderson movie because your performance has to be <laughs> unlike anything other than any movie you do before, you know, a performance in a Wes Anderson movie is very wooden and stoic and monotone sometimes, but there's also a a sense of believability to a lot of these uh, productions. Uh, If I do have one negative, if you don't mind me throwing out a negative real quick, it would be that it doesn't matter for me if it's a feature film or short length film, you have to give your audience moments to breathe and I think that that might be my biggest negative with these shorts. I think that Wes Anderson felt like he was rushed mm. in certain moments because I don't feel like there were moments where the audience could go, okay, now I'm ready for the next bit or moment. Or, uh, I think a good example of this. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Finish. I was going to say an example of this, even though it's my favorite of all four, four of them. And sorry for if we're not getting into that yet, but Poison I think is a very rushed uh, 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 story. I think that if they were to take some moments to live in, I think that you could have really uh, taken advantage of some comedic moments because I think all of these, all four of them have, you know, great comedy bits in them, but I think that they were so rushed through that. I didn't have a moment to laugh at one before I had to get ready for either the next joke or the next story turn. Yeah, I'm glad I let you finish because I do think uh, what what you're saying makes a lot of sense, uh, sense, especially in the comedy beats. And I'm glad you specifically mentioned how the comedy could uh, benefit from a little bit of breathing room. And I completely agree that the feeling of these is, you know, a mile a minute delivery going, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. One of the things I like about that is there are strategic pauses in these and when they happen even if they're just for a second or two they feel momentous and you know there are um 
There's at least one interesting pause in all of them. Um, there's a couple in the Swan, especially that he uses uh, silence to really bring home some of the the emotion of what's going on. Um, but uh, but yeah, the comedy. I think it's good that you mentioned because I don't remember ever pausing for a humor beat. Um, but I could be wrong uh, if I went back and watched. But yeah, I think that's a a, a really valid point. Um, let's get into the individual ones. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time reviewing each one, but I did at least want to give, you know, some, some breath to, uh, the individual shorts. Um, let's start with your ranking and then we will, uh, go one by one and just have a couple thoughts. Um, I'll start since I just kind of threw the ranking thing on you. You may not have thought about that. So I'll give you a second to think about that. Um, I think my ranking from, uh, number four to number one is probably the rat catcher poison the swan and henry sugars by number one um so uh that's probably my ranking either of you ready uh with your ranking of the four yeah andrew what do you got Mm -hmm. so my least favorite is also the rat catcher then the swan henry sugar and poison Mm -hmm. i should say the the rat catcher is the only one i really don't like the others i do a lot. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Dom. Uh, yeah. Mine is rat catcher, the swan poison, Henry sugar. Nice. Nice. Um, so I don't think any of us had the exact same order, but there were some similar, some similarities there. We definitely all had the rat catcher at the end. Um, so let's start there, uh, with our least favorite, Andrew, you already mentioned that you uh, actually didn't like this one. I think I'm more, am, uh, ambivalent on it, like high side of, okay. If I was mm. rating this one, um, Dom, what, like, what would this one individually be for you? It'd be an okay. Okay. Um, this, I didn't feel moved by that one. Yeah. Like, after like from beginning to end, like my state of being was un- unchanged. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's the grossest of the four as well. Um, and it was almost like confusion. Like, what are you really trying to say with this one? Um, yeah. And, well, I've, and I've looked up. It's supposed to be attached to another story, essentially. And maybe mm-hmm. that's why. It's something uh, I think it's, it's a series of short stories to deal with a dog. And they mention the dog, but there's no context, really. So. I I took from it the idea that to beat the rat you have to be the rats like that's I think where this is going and I think we are yeah. definitely supposed to see the the Rafe finds character in this as a human rat you know like there's yeah. there's um that idea and that you know despite being grossed out by that there is a practical efficacy of that that actually works um so um but yeah when when he spits blood in this one i was just like oh okay <laughs> and he's like that's eh, what's in licorice all right i'm done like, <laughs> yeah. while eating licorice i'm like oh okay yeah. oh, all right that's what we're doing uh also the one with uh, some stop motion in it, which is another Wes Anderson thing he likes yeah. to do. Uh, I was I was expecting some stop motion. I just didn't know where it was going to come in. Yep, yep. Well, this is the one for that. Um, we um, let's see. You guys had this. Both had the Swan at number three. I had it at number two. Uh, so we can talk about that one next. Um, okay. I I really like this one. I was really impressed with the pathos of this one. I think the emotion in this one really really works. It's also 
of all of them, probably my favorite Rupert Friend performance. I think he somehow does like the quick Sorkin-ish delivery of this story and also does really great character work with his voices, like so good that I thought somebody else was doing it half the time. Um, it's, it's a, it's a really impressive performance and it, it's, it's really mostly him like just doing this thing. And that's kind of different than the rest of them. The rest of them, you know, are at least two, three handers and this is pretty much just Rupert friend. So I was really impressed with it. I think it also uh, has an incredible ending, um, it's also based on a true story that Roald Dahl uh, read about in the newspaper of, you know, the things these bullies did to this kid. And like uh, that gives it an extra level of stuff. The 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 swan wing stuff really worked for me. I found it um, sadly traumatic and impacting. Um, and when it cuts to the Roald Dahl character, to say to talk about how there are some people both in times of war uh in peace i think this is the line he gives in this one um that just have you know whatever and he was one of those people i just however that's worded i was just in so yeah I, I really really enjoyed this what are some of your thoughts on this one out of all of them i think this is the one i would like to see turned into a feature-length film oh interesting so i mean you'd have to expand it out there has to be more than just the sure well, maybe I don't know. I, think, I guess it could be just kind of a a one set thing, but there'd have to be a lot of chasing and hiding and that and maybe the backstory sure. on why these bullies are so like animalistic and sadistic and right. Yeah, yeah. Because kids didn't have anything else to do, Dom, <laughs> except for torture other children. It did make me go, you know, for the kids out there who have you know some kind of bully nowadays, like. It's mainly online. It could be like this, mm. like the the um, the railroad tracks like scene is done so, so well. Yeah. It's so good. And I'm just like, that is wild that this was based off something that he, you know, read. I'm like, they did what to this kid? All, yeah. all right. This is a different time. <laughs> I think it could. I, I think there's an interesting discussion to have of what's worse. The idea of actual putting, you know, bullies putting lives in danger or the fact that bullying is 24 seven because that's, that's today, you know, like when, when you're a kid without the Internet, you're not bullied every day, every hour. You know, you just have to avoid those, you know, six hours at school or, you know, even one hour at recess because the other time you're in class. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, there, yeah, you yeah. get an escape. You get to go home and escape however you can. And, and you know, this this generation or the last couple generations, they they have very little escape uh, if somebody true. wants. But to they didn't you. shoot. Yeah, <laughs> but they didn't tie you to the railroad tracks. So there's that. Uh, Andrew, did you give uh, thoughts on this one? You did, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. I said that I like it to turn into a feature. Oh, that's right. Uh, Dom, did you have any more thoughts on this one? Oh, I just love the uh, the way that it was uh, that it came to a close. You know, this kind of um, I can't take it as like you know, literally spreading your wings because you took this kind of true form of you know overcoming and determination, perseverance. Like it was cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to Poison. I had it at number three. Dom, you had it at number two. And Andrew, you had it as your favorite. So, Andrew, why don't you start uh, with some thoughts on Poison? I think it's the funniest out of all of them. 
Mm. I I was laughing hysterically through this one. I think Benedict Cumberbatch and Dev Patel, just them going back and forth. Yeah. And Sir Ben Kingsley, a name we haven't really mentioned sure. yet. Um, great in this. Uh, absolutely hilarious as the doctor. And it, it, it was it was just quick. It was funny. And it, it was like a, a comfort food, I guess is the best way to describe it. It was just good comfort food. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt the most Wes Anderson to me. Uh, I think I would still give that to the next one we're going to talk about, but I definitely see what you're saying. Um, this this one, the reason I had this in third, and I, I, I still really like I really liked all of these. Uh, Ratcatcher, I would say I just liked, or it was okay, maybe high side of okay, but um, I really liked The Swan, and I really like this one too. Um, but there is something about the resolution that didn't work for me. Like, it, it felt like it, it just kind of ended. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, the other three I had, like, I felt the clear, like, story ending. And this one was just kind of like, um, I turned the page and there was nothing on the next page, you know? And mm. that's, there is an ending here, but it felt a little disconnected to me from, like you said, the comedy of the rest of um, what was going on here. Um, but, uh, but I think uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is so funny in this and so good and um the idea of you know don't move <laughs> like it's just yeah. it's always going to be tension filled and and there's some good problem solving going on here too which is always fun uh dom some thoughts on poison that delivery the the million mile mile an hour pace of dev patel like how i don't know how you're able to keep that up because i was sitting there thinking like how many takes did this take? As he's looking, the, the the special like greenish like earth tone lighting, and he just da, 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 rattling off these lines. I'm like, that is super impressive. Uh, and I know that's always in Wes Anderson film. I don't know how you get people to remember that much uh, in a short period of time. Well, he was possible takes. He all of his roles were more than anyone else rapid fire yeah, even uh, even in henry sugar yeah. which we'll get to here shortly his part of henry sugar is so just like that machine gun kind of style in the way he would do it's almost a rap yeah, yeah yes there's a rhythm there's definitely a rhythm to it you know because he's also he's delivering it in a way where he's also going he said i said <laughs> yeah. you know like and he'll turn his head oh, yeah. and it's so good like it's he said yeah <laughs> It's, <laughs> I said he said quickly. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And then the, the the one shot that I really uh, enjoyed that I was showing my stepson was as Ben Kingsley is supposed to be looking um looking down over Benedict Cumberbatch's character is the fact that they had it facing the camera with the spotlight and you're seeing all the emotion on his face uh while you know he's physically uh Benedict is physically behind him but it's just showing you that full emotion of what he's going through at that moment i thought was really cool yeah um, and the turn is crazy because you know i didn't expect this to be a story about racism right um, no <laughs> but that, that turn, turn that's what i like yeah yeah see unlike fair play this is a good story turn <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> and they hit it in six minutes <laughs> yeah yeah, we haven't really talked about the length of these. Uh, you know, uh, the Henry Sugar I think is forty minutes, and then the others are all right around. It's the longest. The others are all right around fifteen to twenty, somewhere in that range, I think. Um, yeah. 
But uh, but yeah, that is poison. Well, let's talk about Henry Sugar, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. I love, love, love this. Uh, Dom, you and I both had it at yeah. number one. Andrew, you had it at number three. Um, I think the reason I have this at number two. You had it at number two? Oh, okay, cool. Um, so that's right. You did. So the reason I, I think I, I like this one so much more than the others is the way it connects you to the evolution of this character so efficiently and quickly and the the layers of the stories that you're hearing and somehow they all make sense and they all work and when you work your way back up the layers you're not confused you understand exactly what's going on um there's just some real structural genius in this movie that i think adds to the emotion of of what's going on um dom what are some of your thoughts you had it at number one as well yeah um i mean yeah it's like just like you were saying as soon as you um, you learn about a, a character and you don't see him for a minute. You're enthralled in what's going on. And then you have a moment of, hold on, what about that guy? And then that's when it kicks back into how it connects and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. It, the story itself is so, so well done, so crazy, so creative. Um, that it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those stories that, you get jealous that you didn't think of it because like, how did you, okay, that was over here. And then you made all this. Yeah, and you okay, think it's about okay. one thing and then it's like, nope, we're about <laughs> yeah. this other thing. And yeah. Yeah. And, and then just the fact of, you know, I have this, um, I think about this quite often. If, if, uh, how happy would we be if the world was actually a utopia? And I feel like that's kind of like what's going on in his life. He wants this, uh, this one thing, and he's trying really hard to get it. He's working for years. And then he goes, oh, I'm not as happy as I thought I would be. And then let me flip it and make myself happy by doing something different. And, you know, I think that's very true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of that um, too much of a good thing, you know. Yeah. Andrew, some thoughts? Uh, if you remember in Asteroid City, one of your big pros, and it was actually one of my cons, was the the inceptionistic layers yes. that that movie yeah. went to. Uh, I think that uh, in Asteroid City, it went a bit too far, but I think in this short here, the Henry Sugar one, I think it's done per- to perfection where we meet Benedict Cumberbatch, and then we find out that he's going to read this article, and then, the, and then the story's about this article, and then it's about you know, how he uh, tries to perform this miracle on himself and it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. I don't think it ever got too layered for me to where I was confused. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's a big pro for me. Yeah. Um, I think there is also something at the heart of this that speaks to the, uh, the idea of redemption that uh, the, that somebody who, has spent their life looking for shortcuts to wealth, you know, those kind of things. Even before they make that redemptive turn, they don't realize they're doing the work to be a good person. They have, they have, you know, there's this this idea that redemption is this moment, right? Like that there's this this moment where someone turns, they used to be bad, now they're good. And I think the reality is that humans are much more complex than that, much more nuanced than that. And this, this, to me, this short film really speaks to that because he is there, you know, somebody who wanted shortcuts to wealth spends 
you know, five years perfecting something for a greedy, bad purpose, not realizing that they're learning a lesson during that five years about how, you know, work can, you know, result in something or, you know, how valuable, you know, work can be or, or whatever. So now I I don't know, maybe there's another uh, short that would want to deal with the difference between healthy uh, work at something and obsession. Uh, This is not that short. Uh, This is, doesn't deal with the uh, the fact that the obsession is, is, is. Well, Wes Anderson already made that rule doll movie. It's called the fantastic Mr. Fox. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, true. Uh, But, uh, but yeah, there's something really beautiful at the center here. I also think to me, this has the most, cool transitions, Wes Anderson things. I love the boxes that are painted exactly to look like the yeah. background so it looks like the person is oh, levitating. And he turns it when he's done levitating. Like that kind of stuff is really cool. The you know the very first transition from the um Ray Fine's Raw doll character to the Benedict Cumberbatch character is just a pan across two sets that are on the same, you know, lot or whatever or in the same studio. And you can see like the when when it starts to pan, you start to see how the the forced perspective shifts on the background of the one you're in. You're just like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like there's there's some like magic making reveal kind of stuff here that, you know, you kind of know. But to see it happen as he again takes off the handcuffs of having to you know make everything be real, quote unquote. Um, it's just yeah. kind of interesting. It's just kind of fun just to think about all the work that goes into it or whatever. And, um, yeah, to see, uh, um, I think, I think it's been Kingsley, uh, D age, you know, the man who can see oh, without, yeah. without oh, seeing. That's so good. <laughs> Isn't that great? Like, it's just, it's so cool. He's and like, mustache, mustache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, 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 I really like that there's a central mystery that never gets solved in this one as well, um, because you're definitely interested in like how this works. And at the end of the day, they're just like, you just practice. And like, that's, that's not the central mystery. The central mystery is about what brings happiness. That's the central mystery. And that is solved for us by the end. And in a way that I, that resonates with me deeply, you know, that there's, uh, there's so much more power in, kindness and goodness and helping others out um there's so much more fulfilling there than there would ever be in however many zeros you want to put on your paycheck like that's um that's that's you know that's beautiful stuff and the movie doesn't seem ashamed of that message at all which i love like it doesn't pull its punches on that so very right, fine it's my favorite too. <laughs> <laughs> and then hey you know i also realized that like i wish i had uh finds reading me bedtime stories growing up because his voice is like buttery smooth yeah yeah you really do get a sense with this one the most although it's all of them you really get a sense for the way west anderson believes in the power of narrative storytelling and that that power has been um it has been co-opted by visual media Right. So the idea that movies have co-opted the power of storytelling by using visuals to bring us, you know, to a world. And Wes Anderson, almost in his as his career has has advanced, keeps tearing down the the that artifice of, you know, visual and just says, no, 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 no. People have been reading stories to each other 
around a fire since the beginning of us becoming thinking beings. You know what I mean? And like, you do feel like you're sitting around a fire hearing stories, but at the same time, seeing cool ways to, you know, envision those stories. Um, so yeah, the power of spoken stories is just throughout all of these. Yeah. And, and to, that you said yeah. that, that the, the storytelling and is so descriptive that you could listen to them talking and still in, imagine almost everything that you see, which I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, now I need to go read these stories to see if it holds up just as well uh, or exact uh, to these shorts. I bet you could listen to these as an audiobook and still completely get it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and that's beautiful. And I think you could read them as text and also still completely, you know, get the feeling. And that's that's really interesting. So, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, final thoughts on the Wes Anderson shorts on Netflix. Uh, Andrew? No post-credits scenes. Although there are um, pre-credits explanations for each of the four yeah. or at least like oh, further information. Yeah. Um, on each yeah, of it'll say like a uh, Roald Dahl wrote this whenever he was staying in a cottage. It, it gives yeah exposition mm-hmm. on yeah each story. Yep. Uh, Dom, anything else before we move on? Uh, put short films in theaters more because mm. this would be a fun theater experience. Mm. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's a tough one, but <laughs> kind of like how Disney does. They have their shorts right before. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. This would be uh, an hour and forty minutes. If like these four went to theaters, that doesn't seem that that seems that makes too much sense. That's what's that's the problem. It just makes too much sense. <laughs> uh, yes. So there you go. The the films, the short films of Wes Anderson. Uh, my final thing is, I hope he does more of these. I I hope that he picks, you know, four Roald Dahl stories every year and produces this kind of stuff because I think he's in his wheelhouse here and I love it. Uh, Can't wait to see his version of James and the Giant Peach. Speaking of creepy stories, there's some creepy stuff in James and the Giant Peach, too, when you read that book. Oh, yeah. Uh, All right. Well, before we head on to our best ever challenge, a reminder that you can be a Sift Pop member. This happens at Patreon. Lots of fun stuff. We did a pre-show that our members will get in their own podcast feed. Um, and in today's pre-show, uh, we had a lot of fun with Dom as we, uh, talked about, um, stuff and such. Uh, what, what was the question, Andrew? We were asking, what is your favorite movie quote? And if we could oh, guess what that movie quote was. Yes, movie quotes. That's true. Or where that movie quote was from. Um, so if you want to check that out, all you got to do is be a Sift Pop member. And that's at patreon.com slash Sift Pop. And thank you very much for that support. We really do appreciate it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, let's move into the best ever challenge, uh, the category this week is short films now this is a very broad category like there's a lot of stuff out there i will also say for me i don't speak for anybody but me um i am wildly inadequate in the amount of like classic short films that i have seen Uh, i had to make a rule for myself that i could only put one pixar short on my top five that's my own rule (laughs) because i love pixar and if i didn't do that believe me all five and then all the honorable mentions would be uh, pixar shorts um so I made a rule, only one in the top five, and then only a couple more, two, three, only four more in the honorable mentions uh, of the Pixar stuff. Um, I also organized mine, I think, so that all five are a different form of visual media. Um, so that uh, was something else I, I tried to do mm. with my shorts. Um, but we will go number five to number one. If you happen to have something higher than somebody else, you can. Trump! You can make sure that we talk about it when it's at its highest. And so you can let people know. Uh, this is one where I expect a lot of variety. So I don't know that we'll hear that yeah. too much this time, but we'll see. Let's start with our number fives. Um, Dom, why don't you kick us off? What's your number five? Uh, my number five is the 1969 short. The lottery. Mm, tell me about it. I don't remember this one. <clears throat> so I, I believe I saw this in college, maybe high school. Um, but is a oh, I do remember this small town. Yes. Every year they um, have a lottery where the townspeople. Um, it's like a Hunger to, Games precursor. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all have to draw a piece of paper, and the family that has the dot um they, the rest of the household has to then get pick again whoever has the dot gets stoned to death because uh if it's kind of a sacrifice for a good harvest uh for the year and i'm i'm sure that there's something to do with um you know how much food there is to go around because there is mention of uh 
people, other towns getting rid of it. And there's an old guy saying, these young people don't understand. So it's something that I think always is uh, kind of relevant and in a kind of scary way. Um, and it's also a um, short story before it was a short film. Um, both really good. There you go. Good choice. Andrew, what do you got? Sanjay's Super Team. Oh, that's a Pixar one. It is a Pixar one. Uh, and it's the only anim- or No, I take that back. It is one of two animated uh, shorts on my list. I love Sanjay's because I think that the music is just gorgeous. The visual lights and uh, just the artistry that you see on on display is absolutely breathtaking. It's one. It is my favorite uh, Pixar short. Nice. Um, yeah, I love. I uh, listen. You mentioned a Pixar short. Of course, I loved it. But um, but that's that's one that falls <laughs> under the radar. I think. I don't think a lot of people have even mm. seen that one. Whereas some of like the classics, uh, you know, a lot more people have seen. But yeah, Sanjay is one that uh, that has flown under the radar. I think. But it's a really good one. So yeah, good call with your number five. Thanks. Uh, my number five is my entry from the medium of live action short. Uh, and that is uh, Charlie Chaplin's The Immigrant uh, is my number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is a ton of fun. Chaplin is so good uh, at understanding what makes visual humor funny. Um, I think this is just over 30 minutes long uh, and is well worth a watch um, from, you know, the early days. So uh, check out The Immigrant. That is my number five. Uh, On to our number fours. Dom, what do you got at number four? Uh, Hopefully I pronounced this correctly. Mm. I think I am. Uh, Number four is Hotel Chevalier. Mm, Speaking of Wes Anderson. Exactly. (laughs) Um, You have... uh, I think it's Jason Schwartzman and uh, Natalie Portman and their past lovers uh, meeting back up. Uh, one has a complete was completely shattered by the previous experience, and the other one wants to come back. And there's this um, it's kind of this kind of like a almost friend zone type of experience, um, mm. but it, it's very much in Wes Anderson fashion with the. The, the aesthetic and the way the movements are. And there's like this kind of fluidity of the movements of the characters. That's almost like a poem in itself. And it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's one of those ones where if you um, aren't paying attention, it seems like it's just two people in a room, but you have to listen to the, the, the very little dialogue and the movements and it tells a whole story. Very, very cool. I think that's a prequel to Darjeeling Limited. If yeah, I'm not I, so. I believe that is the case. Yes. Um, all right. Good pick. Your number four, Andrew Ormsby. Six Shooter from Martin McDonough. Mm, tell me about this one. Uh, Brendan Gleeson. It's it's pretty. <laughs> it's Martin McDonough, so it has to have Brendan Gleeson in it. I think that's just the law. Um, it's morbid humor that only Martin McDonough can deliver about a man whose wife uh, dies and he decides to go home and kill himself. And he plans on taking his pet rabbit with him. It's okie dokie. Yeah. It's all I can say. It's it's one of those things. Like if you explain any Martin McDonough movie, it sounds like the most horrifying and terrible (laughs) thing ever, but somehow he manages to throw in some, uh, some comedy. Yeah. And there is some pretty good quick-witted comedy in this. Yeah. 
Very nice. Uh, my number four is my entry from uh, traditional animation, hand-drawn animation. Uh, and this is a uh, classic cartoon called Duck Amuck. This is a Daffy Duck cartoon. Love it. Uh, it's my first honorable mention. It is It is so funny. And this is one of those things yeah. I saw when I was a kid and just completely blew my mind. Because it plays with the meta ideas of an animated character and how that animated character would interact with its creator, with its drawer. So, um, so yeah, it is. It is one of those that uh, I've gone back to that I really enjoy. It's so clever. It's so interesting, and it sparked something in in me that to this day um, I love. So, uh, so yeah, that is Duck Amuck in at my number four. Dom, what is your number three? Uh, my number three is fairly recent. Uh, it is Two Distant Strangers. This one is on Netflix, I believe. Um, and it's a very <clears throat> topical, um, short at the time, and uh, for topical every year, really, uh, until things change. But it is a young black man who ha- is in this um, death loop with his interaction with this uh, white cop. And it just he he keeps dying and he's on a search to how can I prevent this from happening? And each time it goes from being really short instances to a little bit longer, a little bit longer. And he keeps getting this kind of same uh, outcome. Um, It's your like nightmarish Groundhog Day. (laughs) Uh, And and I'm pretty sure it was like nominated. Uh, Joy Badass is the star. Um, And it's. It's it's kind of the one where this is the the feelings of, of of a lot of people, and so it kind of puts you in their shoes and and shows you like, look, I, I'm telling you, no matter what I do, when I have these interactions, they're always negative. Um, and then is there a conclusion to how this can be solved? Nice. Uh, let's see, Andrew, your number three. This is my Disney animated short, mm. Paper Man. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I mean, it's there's something about animated shorts with no dialogue that I just find absolutely captivating. If you can if you can tell a narrative story with no dialogue and really tug at my heartstrings, that's that's always going to get me. And I think that Paper Man is an extraordinary uh, tale. I agree. Uh, that is definitely uh, a good one. Uh, Paper Man is the name of that one. My number three is my entry into Surrealist Sketch. This is like pencil sketch. Um, and this is an artist named Bill Plimpton, and the short is called Your Face. Um, and it is his animation is very distinct, but the Your Face is the Surrealist way he is messing with this single human face, you know, and pulling like the the person's legs will come through their nose and then the whole body will grow. Like it's very interesting. I remember this freaking me out uh on uh, I think Nickelodeon uh when I was much younger. Um it is really interesting stuff. Recently Bill Plimpton kind of parodied it, parodied it a little bit with the Simpsons couch gag. He did his own Simpsons couch gag that is kind of a parody of your face. Um but it was uh definitely um 
one of those formative uh, visual moments to uh, to watch this when I saw it. It's spooky and weird and kind of can't look away. It's it's amazing stuff if you can ever find it. Uh, so that is Bill Plimpton, your face in at number three for me. Dom, what is your number two? <clears throat> number two is probably one of the weirdest um, twisted shorts or even just film in general that I've seen. And that is The Strange Thing About the Johnsons by Ari Aster. Mm. Um, this, the, the first four and a half minutes of this short, I believe it's close to 20, is probably uh, the wildest thing that you'll, one of the wildest things you'll ever see. Um, it's the whole thing is kind of about <clears throat> sexual assault, but it's in a very unconventional way uh, where uh, I don't want to give it away too much, but it, it's within the family, but it's not what you expect. Uh, that's how, how, what I'll say. And if you want to watch it, it is on YouTube. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is a crazy one. Very nice. Um, you said that was Ari Aster that did that? Yes. Yep. Wow. Uh, I believe it was like maybe two or three years before he did Midsommar. Mm, okay. I have to look that one up. Uh, Andrew, what is your number two? It is a, a short film released in 2007. It's called Rewind. Okay. It's an Indian short film. And the uh, the basic premise is this. Three friends bet a million dollars and their lives on a game of Russian roulette after a heist, a jewelry store heist. And the cool thing about this is it's the reason why it's called Rewind is it's shot in reverse. So you start at the end of the Russian roulette game and you go to the very beginning. Hmm. Okay. Well, that really, sounds- really cool. You can find it on uh, YouTube if you like. Just type in a uh, Rewind short film. Sounds very interesting. Uh, good call. That is your number two. Uh, my number two is from the category of stop motion animation. Uh, and this is Wallace and Gromit, the wrong trousers. Uh, I love Wallace and Gromit. Uh, I love Ardman. I think what Ardman has done over the years is nothing short of spectacular. Stop motion is such a painstaking way to make stories and they are so good at it. And there's some gags in the wrong trousers that are just roll around on the floor laughing funny um so love wallace and gromit uh love those characters and love even more the the hijinks they get into in the wrong trousers so uh check that one out if you haven't should be able to find it in many places all right our number ones no crossovers yet uh dom what do you got at number one uh number one i had the 2008 uh next floor by denis Villeneuve. Mm. um this one has almost zero dialogue. It's um, kind of a uh, attack on the the one percent um, on on gluttony, on greed. Um, it's also on YouTube, <clears throat> but it is um, it's very thought provoking. It's uh, w- it's one of those ones where I uh, uh, one of those multiple watches you get you catch more and more little subtle things. Um, uh, but it is called Next Floor because uh, at certain instances, these people at this dinner table uh, continue to drop floor to floor to floor while being waited on by a ton of servants. Um, it, it's, it's very uh, fantastic. Top of watch. 
Sounds really cool. Um, so that is your number one. Andrew, what is your number one short film? Well, you know, it's Denis Villeneuve, so I just added it to my watch list <laughs> <Yes>. because <laughs> the fact I haven't seen it or even knew about it is criminal. My number one is called The Gunfighter, starring Nick Offerman. Hmm. That's all I'm going to say. I'm going to post <laughs> for you guys the link. I'm going to post you guys the link. And you get, anybody else, you can just type in The Gunfighter short film. And I highly recommend you watch this. I don't want to spoil it by saying a single word. It's... I'll just say it's hilarious. I have seen this and totally forgot about it. Uh, this this is uh, amazing. So this is a great call, Andrew. Great call. Um, so thank you. Yeah, that's a, that is a good one. Definitely would have made my honorable mentions at least if I had remembered it. Um, my number one comes from the year 1986. A small computer like company uh, trying to prove that you could tell stories with ones and zeros put out uh, what would be, I believe, their technically second short, maybe their third, but probably the one that launched them into everybody's consciousness. My number one is Luxo Jr. Uh, in the category of computer animation. Uh, this is Pixar's lamp in the opening, you know, Pixar logo. Uh, that lamp is named Luxo Jr. Um, and Luxo uh, Sr. also in the short is trying to teach Luxo Jr. how to play with a ball in Luxo Jr. Uh, plays with the ball, has fun until he destroys the ball. And then what happens next uh, is uh, emotional and funny. And of course, because it's Pixar, even in 1986. Um, the fact that this company uh, just continued to make ones and zeros make us cry over and over again uh, has, has been there since the beginning. Highly recommend you check out Luxo Jr. if you've never seen uh, that short. It is legendary. Uh, there you go. There's our top five short films. I'm sure we've got others we want to mention. I'm curious what the uh, the guru said this week for short films, Andrew. Yeah, we didn't really have any crossovers. The only one I saw that really crossed over was a film, and I'm, I hope I get the name of this right, Uh an ostrich told me the world is fake and I'm starting to believe. <laughs> That's a recent one. And I think I believe it. Yeah. 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 That was up for an Oscar very recently. Yeah. And um, another one that was mentioned uh, several times was Dirty Laundry. It's a short for The Punisher mm. starring uh, uh, Thomas Jane, who came back uh, to play The Punisher for a short film. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, Tom, did you have any honorable mentions you wanted to mention honorably? Uh, Hair Love was one of them. I thought that mm. was really cool. Um, and then I had one that uh, Donald Glover did probably 10, 12 years ago called um, Clapping for the Wrong Reasons uh, that you can find on YouTube. And it's kind of one of those, it's almost about nothing, but there's like this weird Donald Glover-esque Atlanta type mm -hmm. of mystery going on that, that is kind of lingering throughout the whole thing. It's really fun and you know, if you're a big hip hop fan, there's a lot of familiar faces in there, along with um, his friend and, you know, award winning composer uh, Ludwig Gordonson. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's really fun. Nice. Uh, Andrew, did you have any other honorable mentions? Uh, two. Um, one of them is a trip to the moon. Yeah, I had Classic. to mention that. I had to mention it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm a Western guy, so if I don't mention the Great Train Robbery, I'm going to lose my Western <laughs> fan license. Nice. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, so I will first. I'll just start with the four Pixar's that I had to mention. Like I couldn't see not mentioning these these Pixar shorts mm-hmm. in case people hadn't seen them. Uh, Bow I think is amazing, um, and people need to see uh, Piper, which is the little bird by the ocean, blew my mind uh, with its visuals, and again has a stunningly yeah, gorgeous, it's a gorgeous short, and it is also has an emotional uh, beats to it. Um, Presto is maybe the funnest Pixar short uh, about the magician and his uh, rascally rabbit that oh. he's trying to um, do a, a hat trick with. Um, had to mention that yeah. one. And then probably the first Pixar short that um, that I think a lot of people remember, um, and for good reason, is Jerry's Game, where the old man decides to play chess against himself. Uh, and that is yeah. Classic, classic stuff. So I wanted to mention those. I will also mention a couple of um, other um, old school cartoon shorts that I really love. One Froggy Evening, which is the frog that every once in a while I was like, hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime now. Um, you know, but the person who wants to make money off the frog uh, never can get it to perform to the people uh, who he could make money from. <laughs> Uh, and then a uh, huge classic is What's Opera Doc, uh, probably the biggest Bugs Bunny classic um, yeah. uh, that I needed to mention. And then the other old school one, in addition to A Trip to the Moon, that a lot of people talk about is actually in the movie Hugo. Um, the name of the short is just th- uh, The Arrival of a Train. And it was like 1894 or something. And it was one of the first things ever put on moving film and apparently freaked people out. They thought a train was going to come through the screen yeah. and run them over. So uh, worth mentioning the arrival of a train, I think, uh, as well. So there you go. Some of our favorite and best ever short films. Um, I would throw out more, but I'm, again, honest, like the Red Balloon, I'm sure deserves to be mentioned. I just haven't seen it. You yeah. know, like there's no. so many that uh, you know, I am I am vastly undereducated in the short film uh, space. I'll so. tell you this: there's a YouTube channel called Omeletto, O M E L E T O. All they do is upload short films. So if you're wanting to get caught up on short films, then that's the perfect way to start. Nice. All right. Well, let's finish off with some buried treasure, guys. What's that one uh, thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Uh, Dom, you're our guest, so you will go last. Um, I'll kick us off. I recently saw a movie that came out a while ago. It's one of the funniest things I've seen. And guess what, Dom? It's a scary movie, uh, but it's a comedy. Uh, it is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, finally got around. You've never seen I've it never before? I've never seen it before. Finally got around to seeing it. <laughs> it is so good. It is so funny. Yes. Alan Tudyk uh, and, uh, oh, I just totally forgot the other guy's name. It's I think it's Tyler Labine or something like that. Um, they're yeah. so good together. And they are their line deliveries in this are hilarious. Now, if you don't know anything about it, uh, the less you know, the better. Just go in, you know, as blind as you want to go. I'll just say it is a dual yeah. perspective experience where things are happening from two different perspectives that just make the misunderstanding more and more funny throughout. Um, so, yeah, Tucker and Dale versus Evil is on Hulu if you want to check it out. Uh, yeah, warning for gore. It's, there's definitely gore in the in the movie. Um, but uh, my wife, who does not like gore at all, laughed all the way through this thing, had a blast. So um, I think it, it works. So, yeah, Tucker and Dale versus Evil is on Hulu. Andrew, what do you got? 
I am going to go with a cautious recommendation. I'm going to go with, on Disney+, Plus the new show, Ahsoka. Mm. The reason why this is a cautious recommendation is because I need to let you know, before you watch this show, you need to see all of Clone Wars <laughs> and Rebels before you start watching this show. That's a big ask, Andrew. That's a big ask, but you're, yeah. not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh... I don't I don't know if I'd say like absolute need but you're going to have a much better experience. Like the there there yeah. are things that that you, they just can't do enough exposition to get you caught up with some of the things they're playing. Yeah, with, like so. Thrawn and Ezra, mm-hmm. all that stuff, you really have to know what's going on. Yeah. And I'm going to it may sound like a huge undertaking to watch all of Clone Wars and Rebels. But honestly, I think that if you if you love Star Wars, then I think that it should be something on your watch list anyway. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka is just an, honestly, I think it's a great in, uh, installment into the Star Wars franchise. I totally agree. But I you, loved Ahsoka. You do have to know what's going I on. I loved. I'm not beyond seeing its limitations or you know seeing where maybe didn't you know work for some people. But I had a blast with Ahsoka. Um, so. Yeah. Balin's skull was so good. Yeah, it's it's who is sad. Ray Stevenson yeah. so sad. Yeah. Um I hope they recast. I think that's the right the right call in this one, probably yeah. is just to recast that character. Um but uh mm-hmm. but yeah, he was so good. Um Dom, what were your thoughts on Ahsoka? So I think I still have one episode left, but um for for someone who hasn't seen all of Clone Wars and stuff, I still enjoy it because I know enough. I've talked to had enough conversation with people to kind of know what was going on for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it was cool to see that character from what I have seen uh, beforehand come to life. And the perfect was thought off as a fan casting. Um, mm-hmm. really, yeah. their, their past couple of shows like Andor, uh, they're really good. Yeah. Star Wars um, building and, some momentum back. Yeah. yeah. You know, people didn't like a couple of the last movies, but these shows have been really good. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. The, I've seen it all the way through four or five times now. Andor might be my second favorite Star Wars thing it's ever. It's so good. I cannot wait for season two. It's it's yeah. It's really it's good filmmaking for sure. Um, all right, Dom, we're to you. What is your uh, buried treasure? <laughs> so uh, I've been recently trying to get into the world of these reality TV mm, games, mm-hmm. not necessarily mm-hmm. game shows, but mm-hmm. essentially yes. they're a game show. Let's go. Let's I just go. started. Aaron just speaking my language. Up. Aaron's like, oh, so you're talking my love language. I, I started, <laughs> started to watch um, The Golden Bachelor, but that's not my, my buried treasure. My As I kind of dabbled more into looking up stuff, a friend of mine goes, hey, there's this new show that's from the UK on HBO or Max called Naked Attraction, and this is like this so comes with basically a very very big caution. Uh, if you don't yeah. want to see genitals, full frontal genitals <laughs> full front. on your television, do not watch like, the show. Zoomed in in HD. <laughs> yes, um, but this show there's six seasons, and it's it's you know weirdly more wholesome than um, than you think. You know, if you think about Love Is Blind on on Netflix where people don't see each other and they're going off the uh, just personality and conversation. This is the exact opposite. And 
full frontal and you're judging a person piece by piece um, and they ask the questions of why they want to do it this way. What does it say about a person, you know, meeting them in this form? And as a person gets um, rejected, essentially, they kind of uh, ask them afterwards and like, hey, I was self-conscious about you know, my stomach and it was cool that they talked positive about it or I didn't like my knees or whatever the case may be. Um, it does kind of um, lend you to like, look at yourself and go, you know what? Maybe the things that I'm insecure about are not that bad. People don't see it in the same lens that I do. Um, so, uh, and that's from the mature standpoint, watching this show, if this was me watching it in like, college it's like oh there's naked chicks so however you want to watch the show you know (laughs) yeah um but yeah it's the it's i don't know if i could sit there and binge like an entire season or two of a show like this because it does kind of get um repetitive um but it is very a very interesting thing and apparently there's already some interest in the uh, an American version being made, which I can kind of see not going the same way of how we feel no. nudity over do, here. How would they do I that? Know. I mean, it would have to be streaming on Max or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. Even then, uh, I don't know. I, it, it will. De- I will be interested to see how Naked Attraction does over here on Max. Yeah. Like, if if Max feels like that's a hit, then they'll just be like, "Yeah, it's, I guess we can just show a bunch of nudity." One, it's the number one show, I believe. But there, there is a lot of like American backlash of like, it's not right. They're naked and it's on a streaming service that you have to search for um, because the way their algorithm is set up, it doesn't really show you stuff that you want. That you Quit want showing watch. me naked human bodies. Show me more heads exploding. Get back <laughs> um, to the heads exploding. Yeah. On the violent <laughs> Seriously. So yeah, it's um, it's gonna be interesting if they do because America's uh, viewpoint on nudity and you know Europeans. Uh, or Europe's uh, viewpoint on nudity is very different. Mm-hmm. They can look at it more as yeah. like art, and we look at it as like, oh man, she's hot. So it's the devil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> devil wants you to look at nude. Yeah, our connection of the naked human form directly to sexuality is, you know, the the older I get, is just the the more and more gets more and more weird to me. I like yeah. it's. Yeah. I hesitate to say somebody has it right and somebody has it wrong, but the European idea of we all have a naked body, it's yeah. just our naked body, like that to me seems much more mature. Um, now, this show, I have a lot of cognitive dissonance with this show because it is doing the thing of physical attraction yeah. based on looking at it. So it is connecting those two things in some mm. way. Now, now there's not like sex happening in this right. show. It literally is just presentational. So I think that's a step in the right direction. And when you talk about like not like binging a season because it kind of is all samey or whatever, um, I I think America's need a dose of like getting tired of just seeing naked bodies, like a, a yeah. dose of like how different they are, how yep. they don't all look the same, how, you know, it really isn't that big of a deal, you know, to just see a body uh, kind of thing. So I think the show is, is weird for me because it's like, there's, there's a lot to love about getting rid of some of the repression uh, that we have built into our culture when it, re- when it concerns the human form but also the show is um it's not exactly doing that it is kind of doing the wrong thing in some uh ways as right. well now my understanding is the show is uh very 
I'm going to say the word progressive in its understanding of the human form. So it's not like everybody that's on there is the stereotypical beauty standard kind of body. In fact, there's, uh, you know, my understanding, all sorts of different bodies. uh, What it does is it says, you know, you have six individuals in these boxes and they all have an attribute that you say you're attracted to. So they're not getting the ideal person. They're getting something like if they say, oh, I really love, you know, broad shoulders. All, you know, the guys may one guy may have broad shoulders, one guy may have big calves. And, you know, you there's always there's always something they're going to like on every person, um, but also something they're like, oh, maybe um, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether, you know, the cleanliness, like, you know, shaved, unshaved, all these kind of things are, you know, put out there to. Uh, and explained in a scientific way because they have mm-hmm. these little breaks where it goes. Eighty percent of women who were um, interviewed say they like this, and they and the rest of them said they kind of like it or whatever. So it kind of it doesn't completely um, dunk on anybody, um, whether uh, on any kind of body form or thing they have. Um, so yeah, mo- I think for the most part it's progressive, but I I, I did watch an episode with my wife and she was like what you said they're like no they're just judging off their looks and i was mm-hmm. like but they do explain that like when they go on a date it does make it um more comfortable because you're not worried about okay if we do make it back to the house are they gonna like what they see because now they've already seen it and there's not as much pressure yeah yeah it's it's wild it's a wild show especially if you're an american you're not you know uh used to that level of comfort with the the entire human body um then then yeah it can be uh shocking for sure so that is uh naked attraction that is on max ahsoka uh not as much nudity in ahsoka on uh disney plus <laughs> and uh none in tucker and dale versus evil as well and that is on hulu that's not true at all <laughs> There was nudity in Tucker. There's and nudity Dale? in Tucker and Dale. Think, yeah, they went skinny they, dipping. Yeah, they all left their underwear on though. No, uh, they did. Yes, they did. Good sir, I just watched it. So feel. F- I've seen it many a times, and I remember seeing the goods. There are no goods. I'll make a bet on it right now. Now maybe maybe okay. the air maybe the airplane version is on Hulu or something. I don't know. Maybe there's a the whole different version. But there was there was no nudity. In fact, I thought it was hilarious. They're like, let's go skinny dipping, and they're like all in their underwear. So uh, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if you maybe or maybe not uh, want to see uh, Naked Bodies and Tucker and Dale, that is on Hulu. Uh, we did it, guys. We uh, we dis- we discussed the various levels of nudity in various projects. Congratulations to all of <laughs> yes. us uh, today. Thank you so much for joining us for Sif Pop Today. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Well, thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And thanks to Dom Fisher for stopping by today. Dom, where do you want people Woo. to find you online? Uh, on uh, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, King underscore fish and on Instagram uh, at the Don Fisher. And you can also find me on TikTok uh, uh, at Geek Vibes Nation. And then, you know, uh, just, you know, I'm a man of the internet. I just don't have a lot to say unless it's in in a written review. So if you want to know my real thoughts about things, you know, read a review and you're going to see the inner workings of 
a, a man from the 80s. There you go. You can also catch mm. Dom on episode one of the USA version of Naked Attraction. Uh, <laughs> yes. So that that's coming soon, uh, apparently. I'll be the host. Oh, the host, yes, of course. That's what I meant. <laughs> Who's always naked. <laughs> uh, thank you to our amazing Sif Pop members. Your support starts at three bucks a month. Uh, there's some bonus ep- uh, episodes that once you're a member, you get access to the entire backlog and your own podcast feed. You can check out all that stuff. Um, that happens at patreon.com slash Sifpop. Lots of ways you can connect with us. Uh, you can leave a comment, a rating, or a review wherever you listen, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really does help us out. Uh, you can email us if you got a question. Feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than being cleverer than a rat. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, with Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, prepare your bladders, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm already tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already tired. Killers of the Flower Moon and uh, and more, and we will catch you then. Bye, guys. Bye. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.